Welcome to the Guna Ramble, a Guna's World podcast. No gimmicks, no satire, just a little bit Arsenal. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Guna Ramble. I'm your host Jizza and on this week's show we'll be discussing the Southampton and Marseille victories, Sleevegate, also joining us later will be Ben James of Act View from the Ninian. Um, so, uh, let me welcome the regulars. Uh, we've got Mo. How you doing, mate? Not too bad. How are you? Not too bad. And also we've got Callum. How are you doing, sir? I'm very good, thank you. Good. Right, um, let's get um, right into it. We'll discuss the Southampton victory. A uh, very good 2-0 uh, win. Um, if not, um, you know, uh, scintillating, it was... From, from my point of view, I think it was very efficient. Um, what did you make of the game, Callum? I mean, yeah, it was a it was a really pleasing victory um, in a game that looked like it could be, you know, it could be a potential slip up. Um, you know, I think after the United game, we really needed to pick ourselves up. Um, you know, we had two weeks to dwell on it um, over the internationals, and you know, Southampton are no mugs, and they've been brilliant this season. And um, even though we obviously got pretty lucky with the first, <laughs> pretty lucky with the first goal. And um, I mean, the second was a penalty. I think over the course of the game, we we controlled them, and you know, there's been that kind of those performances we've had a few this season. I remember we did it at Swansea as well, where we didn't come flying out the blocks, but we kind of we just stood back and we we had the confidence in ourselves to know that we we, we were capable of beating these sides, and you know we, we rarely looked troubled. And um, you know it's such a shame that uh, Wilshire or Ramsey didn't score one of those brilliant chances at the beginning, but you know you take what you can get and. You know, no matter how you score to win by two goals to nil against a Southampton side that were third going into that game, you know, I think it's just a, a great way, um, a great way to respond after what was our most disappointing defeat of the season, really. So, yeah, I was very happy, really. True, uh, Mo. Well, how did you, what did you make of the game? I mean, as Callum just alluded, we 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 went close twice earlier on, and then um, you know we got uh, we got you know we we got a gift from um, Arthur Borich doing his is it Cruyff turn or Mertesacker Saka turn or. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it, was, make... uh, it was a good game. You know, we we were in control definitely. You know, they had they did have a few shots, but I'd say only one or two troubled them. One where Arteta was trying to clear it on the edge of the box and sliced it and, and volley, but a save that you'd expect Chesney to make. The other one though was kind of the acrobatic effort they had, which was a good save by Chesney. Apart from that, all of them went straight down his throat. Um, but you know, he did, make, he did make the one quality save in the second half yeah. down to his left. That's the only one yeah. that really yeah. looked like it was going in, but. But apart from that, I completely agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, the thing is, after the game, a lot of people, you know, some people were saying, oh, we, we got a bit lucky, and other people were saying, oh, we were actually a bit unlucky, because, you know, the fact of the matter is, um, it depends how you look at it, maybe, it depends on your personality, but hitting the post twice, unlucky, even the fact that they hit the post and went rebounded off to Southampton's benefit twice, and not to our benefit, and uh, on the other hand, the two goals that we did score, you know, you, you do make your own luck, it was a definite penalty, and, um, yeah, you know, was it lucky? Was it unlucky? I don't know. But I say on balance, we deserved it. You know, had yeah. had we not got that uh, Boruch Cruyff turn goal and the penalty, and the other two had gone in off the post, people wouldn't be saying yeah. it's unlucky or lucky. They're just saying, yeah, we deserved it. So um, all in all, I was quite happy, and I think we did uh, deserve three points. Yeah. What was the view from the uh, you know the aftermath aftermath coming out of the ground? I mean, what were people saying? Was it was it you know were were they worried or? 
about you know the the um, the, the standard of our football? No, not, not at all. I think you know there, there were moments of brilliance in the game that did kind of get you off the edge of your seat, but um, you know unfortunately it was it was a little bit flat. I felt oh, on Saturday. I think. Um, oh. Are we coming to expect? Are we coming to expect? You know, hundred percent sort of like you know. A star uh, performances from from the whole squad. Now, is that is that is that what you think the fan base is expecting? I, I don't think so because I, I think you know we haven't actually produced our A game that many times this year. You know, I know we're top of the league, but you think against Napoli, against Liverpool, uh, against Norwich, that they were the games we were on fire. And other than that, we have had a few um, victories where we haven't been that great. You know, for example, Palace. You know. We weren't actually that brilliant there, but still managed to put it out of the bag. So I don't think that we are expecting that. I just think that, you know, when, when your team is that performing this well, sometimes the crowd waits for the team to do something rather than thinking, oh, we need to make sure that, you know, we're up to this. We kind of respond more than proactive. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Um, it's sorry. funny, though, sorry, when you talk about the level of performance, though, because you look at someone like Manchester City, who have had arguably the two best performances of the season, um, obviously at the weekend beating the Spud 6-0 um, and when they blew United away 4-1 but then at the same time they still go away from home and look a complete shadow of that, that, that kind of side whereas we always seem to plod along not yeah. at 100% but we're always we're always we're good yeah, yeah. so it's I'd r- much rather have that level of consistency I think it's yeah. a lot more frustrating to see you play brilliantly one week and all for the next whereas yeah. we're always good never you know rarely brilliant but we're always good enough to win more often than not so I like those performances. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to like those performances because, uh, as I said in the uh, uh, in the Arsenal TV hangout, you know, if it's Man United or Man United of old or or Chelsea or Man City come out, you know, pull those, you know, give, uh, come out of those performances, people say, "Oh, that's Championship contender sort of performance." You know what I mean? So I'm happy with it. You know, um, I'm glad that Giroud scored two goals because I think he would, people were, you know, a bit. A bit saying a few things about you know you know his position. Do we need to you know get somebody of, of, of a better class than him or whatever you know? And, and I'm happy that um, you know he had the sharpness to uh, take advantage of the uh, mistake by um, Burridge and the confidence to uh, put away the second goal as well. So and, and you know it, the goals are spreading around, aren't they? Which is always a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that, that always makes you feel a lot more comfortable when you're not reliant on one person. So um, as Spurs are that. finding out this season. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was their goals. I don't know. Um, but going on to the Marseille game, um, again, the from what I could understand, the reaction from the crowd was we were we seemed a bit complacent. Uh, what did you make of the game, Mo? Um, you were there. What yeah, I, I, on my uh, interview with Arsenal Fan TV afterwards, I actually did talk about complacency, and I, I, I said certainly that for the first time this year, I felt as though I saw complacency out there on the pitch, and. Um, you know, it's it's just part of human nature, and it's very very hard to um, expect a team to go the whole season and then not be complacent if you are performing really really well in your top of the league and top of your group and all that sort of stuff. Given that Marseille have lost every single game that they've played, we were expected to go out there, and the team's confident, and I think them two things combined will result in complacency. And uh, I think that it did show on the pitch, but. Given that it's, I'm saying it's human nature, it's inevitable and it's going to happen, the complacency wasn't that bad. It wasn't to a level where it was unprofessional or kind of, you know, um, going to basically kick us in the teeth. So there was a little bit of complacency, but not that players just didn't care or anything like that. I think it was an amount that we can deal with. Not that I'm saying we should be complacent at all, but as I say, human nature. So overall I was happy, but just kind of worried about it a little bit. I hope it doesn't start creeping into our minds. 
Yeah. Um, uh, Cal, what, what were your, con- your conclusions? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree pretty much with that. I think um, if you remember your mind back to the, the first Dortmund game when Ramsey got caught on the edge of the box and, and Mkhitaryan scored from that, it was very much a case of overconfidence. And I think with um, with with the Marseille game, I think after we got the early goal, we could tell from a very early point that Marseille just won up for it that game. And we knew that we could really put on a show. I think the team thought that. But I think it was, it was a bit naive because I think, you know, the, the great teams of the past, you buy Munich at the moment, um, what they do is they put four, they put three or four past you in the most efficient way possible. Um, and then maybe they'll start to play uh, more extravagant football, whereas I think we went one up and kind of, um, not to go foot off the gas, but we started to think this game, this could be another, you know, the way we played against Norwich, which was just some beautiful skill and goals and... Um, you know, at the end of the day, we we won the game and we won it pretty really comfortably in the end. Um, but it do, it does. If, if we were against the better side, you would have been frustrated. If as well against any side, you'd been frustrated if we conceded a, an equaliser. But um, we do have to be careful of that. And I'm sure, I'm sure, um, I'm sure Wenger would have said to them at half time and uh, and in, and after the game as well. You know, you've got to kill teams off before you can start being more extravagant. But you know, at the same time, it's it's great to see the players play with that kind of confidence and mm. you know if Ramsey had just put his shot know, a couple of inches one other way it might have gone under Mandanda and would have been 2-0 up after 15 minutes and if Ursa hadn't had just <laughs> just hit the penalty hard rather than yeah. I mean, that, that, that what annoyed me was I think was his that penalty really typified mm. the way we played that first half and you do think you know it's only 1-0 and it was and the thing is it wasn't a dead rubber we needed to win that game Mm. Now, if exactly, we yeah. dropped points that game, we would have looked back at it and thought, "What a cock up that was!" All because of that hard say, work in Dortmund is it, out the window. It, exactly, yeah. and you know, and that was a game where we were completely focused and we didn't do any of the fancy stuff. Well, because we couldn't, mm. we just dug in deep and took our chance. Whereas in this one, we created chance after chance, and we just didn't take them. And um, you know, I think Ertel, whilst I'm not going to jump on his back because I don't think you know he still he still got an assist and played well overall. He needs to have a look at himself and think, you know, I can't be taking penalties like that. You know, it's all brilliantly when you, you do a fake run up and it, it sends the keeper the wrong way. But when you miss, you're like a right twat, really. Sorry, for me, that, I think that penalty did kind of, um, just in that one moment, displayed what I was talking about. There was a bit of complacency. Because you can be sure that, you know, if that's a World Cup final, he doesn't take the penalty like that, does he? You know, and it was... Penalty. Pardon? <laughs> He doesn't take the penny. One. Well, you know, but you, you get no, but it's a World like, Cup. You know, Germans we, don't miss penalties. So. That's mm. true. But that, I did say at the stadium that you know, before I was kind of thinking to myself, oh yeah, you know, he's German, he won't miss, and I was like, oh bloody hell, he's Turkish, isn't he? So yeah, the Turkish <laughs> moment. <laughs> so you know, but he'll go back to being German when we need him to score a penalty. With that one, it was one sort of one where you can get away with missing it, and we did get away with it. But let's not forget, Chesney pulled off a couple of really good saves actually in that yeah. game, and then all of a sudden you can see the goal, and then the you know nerves start showing, and anything can happen in football. It would have been a needless point. It would have been needless as well if we conceded. Yeah. It would have been just so, so moronic. But I think that at the same time we shouldn't be too hard on them because they did play really well and some of the football was beautiful to watch. Mm. So you know, at the end of the day, we won't think in a month's time we won't think back to a bit of a laissez-faire attitude. We'll just see that we yeah. 2-0 and did what we had to do. So uh, at the end of the day, you can't not be too angry about it. Did you think we were unduly concerned with what Marseille had to offer? They looked quite ordinary to me. I mean, yeah, they they were. Let's face it, they were they were fairly ordinary. But you know, with our comments, we're we're not focusing on them. We're focusing on mm. our team and you know how what level of performance we should be um, putting on the pitch. So yeah, they, they weren't great, but. 
you know, I just wanted to make sure that we... Yeah. It would have been embarrassing, wouldn't it? We've lost yeah. the teams before, or mm. we've, we've um, dropped points to teams before that aren't great, and we uh, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I, I have to say that I was so, I was so glad uh, that Wiltshire scored the two goals. The first goal was absolutely sublime. Uh, the second goal was a great setup by Ozil. Um, uh, but, you know, people had been kind of getting on his back, hadn't they? You know, um, you know, where does he fit in? You know, um, Wenger's playing him out of position and so on. He, you know, he's, you know, he, he, um, was, he was definitely down in the pecking order behind Ramsey's stellar performances, but I was so glad that he managed to uh, put those two goals away. And he was buzzing all night, wasn't he? he yeah. Was, yeah, he was brilliant. He was yeah. absolutely brilliant on on that particular occasion, and not just because of the goals. You know, there was even one um, one moment in the box where uh, I think the ball got slightly overrun, or it might have been a bit of a bad touch. But he realised that if he threw himself in there with a the tackle, then he could still make yeah. make the break ball to uh, make the ball break. Sorry, <laughs> to uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but he he did that. He really flew in and pulled off uh, what would have been a strange assist coming out of a crunching tackle but you know mm. just showed his commitment levels and he, he was just yeah. brilliant he really was on the ball and he, did, he, did, the, he did the same against Swansea for um, for Ramsey's goal when the ball came to him on the left yeah. wing and he, he yeah. could have he wasn't yeah. favourite to win the ball but he just yeah. dove he yeah. drove in won the ball yeah. and then from that we, we got the goal so yeah um, great example actually that yeah and, and I think I, I remember tweeting after his uh, first or second goal I can't remember I was like yeah you know Jack Wiltshire over, overrated right you know um, <laughs> yeah you know, us Arsenal fans, we love to do our own players down. Do you know what I mean? We don't like to see our young players playing well or, you know, getting, you know, getting praise or, or you know, or being seen to get praise. It's we all a bit too knee jerk. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe we're scared of losing our players, you know. <laughs> I get, remember, you go back so many years, you name the players at Real Madrid or Barcelona be chasing. I, I don't mind personally. If people want to talk our players down and then no one cares about buying them, it's all good, but it's all good for me. I, I don't I want think, but, but the thing is, other, other people do know how good they are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why are we talking him down? Do you know what I mean? Well, I, think, I think when we look at Wilshire, I mean, over the last two years, in the last two seasons, it's been pretty bleak, you know, with losing Van Persie and losing Fabregas and Nasri. And naturally, when that kind of thing happens, you want to cling on to a new hero. So obviously, you know, when Jack Price broke onto the scene, uh, everyone remembers that game against Barcelona when he was 18 years old and just mm. couldn't believe the maturity of, of the guy. And, um, and, you know, I think he spent so long injured and when he got back to, he, he started, you know, when he came back last season, for a while he looked like our best player. You know, people were saying, give him the captaincy. <clears throat> and I think, you know, I mean, what's happened is that we've brought Meza so we've, Ramsey's just gone up to a new level. Um, and suddenly, as opposed to Wilshire being our sole attacking threat, I mean, obviously, because Zola was great last season as well, but we've now got three, Another four, five yeah. incredibly gifted attacking midfielders. And, yeah. and because of that, I think <clears throat> his status in the team, perhaps, I don't think his performances have necessarily dropped. I just think he's become... I mean, obviously, he's had to he's had to play wide quite a lot to accommodate for Ramsey. He just can't, you can't drop him, and you know I don't think a midfield two of him and Ramsey works. It's just too it's too porous. But you know, at the same time, it was great to see him play so well because I think I think people really to you know he he is going to be struggling with fitness issues because this injury isn't one you just get over. It's one that has to be managed well for over a long period of time. Um, so for me, as long as he keeps contributing in games and has a good attitude and he will have these kind of games where we will remember, you know, we get, he will become the star man every night for games like this. And um, I just think at the moment he's just become, people perhaps downplay his influence, perhaps because he's been living in the shadow of other players in the team. But I still think he's um, an incredible player and he's done really well this season playing all over the park. 
Do you think that would give him the impetus to push on now? Because he's, he's definitely, a, you know... He's, uh, uh, I mean, I think he, he obviously loves the club. He loves football yeah. and he's got an incredible talent. You know, I think the way that he can run at players and drive, I mean, it's, it's something that Eng- in England we don't really have anymore. You know, it's, it's very Paul Gascoigne-esque, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I think, oi, oi, no, 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 no. Let's, let's not say that. <laughs> it's better than that. And also, he's... Uh, oh, but, you know, I mean, that, that style of... I'm like hoping he doesn't follow in Gaza's footsteps. Right. No, of course not. I don't... No, I'm not... I'm not I'm the the he's smoking, hasn't he? So, you know. The comparisons, the comparisons are purely as a, from a playing perspective. Mm. Um, and, you know, you look at... I mean, the great midfielders, you know, Gerrard's always been about... Or, you know, all over the pitch, shooting from long range and great passes. Lampard's always been about coming late in the box. You know, these are the, the best central midfielders we've had over the last 10 years or so. Uh, and Paul but, Scholes uh, as well. But, but for Wilshire, it's all about that, 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 that burst of pace he has through the middle and his ability to, to run at players. And, and, and he just gives the England side, I think, over the last few years, not so much with Arsenal, but it's always lacked that bit of pace. And I think his having him in the middle is going to be great for England. Um, but, I mean, for Arsenal, because he's also, this season, proved himself to be extremely versatile because he played on the right and Indeed. scored that great goal. And, yeah, he's played on the left. He's You know, it was like a Napoli again when we played that midfield three behind Giroud that kind of rotated across and it mm. looked fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm over the moon and, and delighted yeah. for him. And um, do, you, do you think, just before we move on, do you think, he said after the game that um, he set himself a target of 10 goals this season. I think, I think it's in all comps. He's got four. He's doubled his tally for last season. Um, do you think he, he, he'll be able to get us the 10 goals this season? Because, you know. Why not? Uh, I mean, I don't see why not. He's obviously a decent finisher and, um, you know, he seems to be getting into the positions a little bit more because he's playing further up the field rather than having to drive from deep. So, um, and, you know, with someone like, people like Ramsey and, and Ursula who can pass the ball and Kazola and Mazitsky, you know, you can, Take your pick. There's always going to be people laying on passes for him, mm. and um, you know he's just like the whole team. He's playing with confidence, and I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if he didn't get ten goals this season if, if he stays fit. Anyway, I, I think he'll get there or thereabouts personally. Yeah. But the only thing that I'd say about Jack Wilshere and uh, goals and all that sort of stuff, you know, he, Gerard has proven that he, he's brilliant in terms of chipping in with world-class goals and all that, but I don't measure Wilshere on the same sort of um, statistics as most players because he isn't like a Gerard. Wilshere is all about ball retention and ki- keeping that game ticking along and being kind of like the, the I don't know, not really the engine, but almost like the oil <laughs> to, to the machine. He just really keeps I think you're doing, he, when he drives, when he's got that extra yard of pace back, you'll see, you know, he, he drives, the, he drives forward with the ball. He's I, mean, I think he's, been, like, like Carl said, I think he's been overshadowed a bit by, by, um, by, uh, Ramsey's re-emergence, but, you watch a full. You watch. You watch a uh, Jack Wilshere in full throttle. Well, like he was against Brazil. You know, he's he, kicks, he makes that team. He can make a team tick. He's it's not a great. Just, it's a great that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He can make a team tick, but I don't think necessarily he's going to ever be one of them Gerard Lampard sort of players where he's definitely going to guarantee you 15 goals a year. Oh no, no, no. So no. That, that's my no, point. No, I think no. he, he's got class in a different way, and people yeah. that understand football and watch football and especially watch him know what he brings to the team but other people that will kind of pull up some statistics and then make their conclusions based on that they will be the ones that criticise him and they will be the ones to say oh yeah but he doesn't score enough goals he doesn't get enough assists when you actually look at what he does on the pitch and you realise just how important he is well, my, I was going to say my comparison with Gerard and Lampard was actually just to say how he's a different kind of midfielder um, and, I, and I think if you look at Gerard and Lampard I think you know Ramsey's more similar to those two players than Wilshire is Wilshire really doesn't play like an Englishman. Uh, he plays more yeah, yeah. 
that, that wasn't as good as you, Cal, by the way. No, I know, I know. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to clarify my point. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I think... Um, I mean, it's, also, you talk, uh, Charles, about his, his ability to drive. It's such a good... Because you look at... Uh, so when he's never... I mean, I know he... He does run, but at the same time, he, he kind of he kind of floats across the pitch Ramsey in a very languid style, and it's and right. it, it's, it's 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 a great thing to watch. And um, Ramsey pops up all over the place, but I don't think anyone. I think Wilshire's, as you say, we'd expect doesn't. to see him just drop, you know really grabbing the game by a scruff of the neck. Something that perhaps Urza doesn't do quite as much, but yeah. Wilshire definitely has the potential to do. Okay, cool. Um, um, Mo, you went to Twitter and you asked the followers to um, assist us, like Udzil, <laughs> and come up with a couple of topics we can discuss. So, yeah, and, um, so right, I'll, I'll go with the first one. Uh, Owen, at Owen Grelton, at Random in Dead, and at Dre Thomas 15 have all said, let's talk about Sleevegate. So, right. let's talk about Sleevegate. Right. Well, I suppose first time round it was a storm in a teacup, but it seems to be... Um, Bit more of an issue now. Wenger's got involved. Um, it's taken over from Vicky Akers. Uh, so it's, you know, it's the big guns now. What, what do you guys think of it? I mean, well, you, you, thought, you thought that after the first one, you know, okay, slap wrist, you know, naughty boy, don't do it again. He's done it again. I suppose it is an issue now. Why is he defying orders? What have you got to say about it, uh, Cal? Every time I, <clears throat> I try and think about how I feel about it, all the only feeling I can get is I can't believe this is an issue. You know, yeah. it's, it's one of these things that I really hope if it hasn't happened already Flamini and Wenger sit down in a room and say right we're not leaving until this is resolved and we're both happy because this is something that is just it, it, it's it, <coughs> I can't but, even believe but, this I, it's just infuriating that this has gone on over the space of two games but, you know, it shouldn't don't you, think, Cal, don't you think Cal that after his argument with Vicky Akers his, his backroom staff he's one of the coaching staff or the backroom staff yeah. Wenger would have sat down with him and said look you can't speak to one of the, the one of my staff like that you know, it's no, I mean, look, if he's been, if he has been disrespectful to the Cakers, and but you know, I, we, of course, we don't want to see that kind of thing. And you know, we love, we love Flamini's. But more than that, more than that, what I'm saying is, he, 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 don't you think Wenger would have sat down with him and said, "Look, this is a tradition." Well, that's what you worry about. The way you worry that it has happened, and, and Flamini's gone and, um, uh, you know, disobeyed orders. And uh, I mean, if that's the case, I'd to say to him, like, I know, just roll your sleeves up. You know, it's it's not that big a deal. There's old videos of him playing for Arsenal when he did it. And for you know, and if you know, it's going. If there, I know it's a tradition, but I think the first time he did it, you know, the game, the, the shirts are being auctioned off for charity and stuff. Um, so it's just my, my 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 overriding feeling over it is that it's such a non-issue, and it, at a time when we're playing really good football, we've got a couple of great results. It just shouldn't be even being. It shouldn't be a story. You know, it should, there shouldn't be any column inches about it. Um, but at the same time, you know. I, you know, family doesn't need to be awkward, and I really hope that it is resolved now, and it doesn't doesn't deserve any more any more um, <laughs> any more people talking about it. Because it's right. such an Mo, so. yeah, Mo, do you think uh, Mo, do you think that um, he did it because he didn't get enough money, he didn't get enough uh, on eBay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but you know, in terms of uh, the shirts being donated and all that, you know, if I was bidding on one of them to try and get one. That You'd rather have that. Now. Exactly, yeah. you know, it's got a story behind it. But, you know, that, I'm not justifying it. I think, um, you know, Carol, I appreciate you saying it's a non-issue because it is so silly and trivial, but it is, I, I think I, I have to admit now, it is becoming an issue because the first time it happened, 
I, I, you know, I saw some stuff on Twitter that I, I just, you know, just frustrated me seeing that because it was, it was as if people kind of waiting there, fingers ready on the keyboard until he does something, and as soon as he did, they seized the opportunity. And I was like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, acting like vultures over an Arsenal player, just, yeah. you know, give it a bit of time. And unfortunately, now it's happened again. It's going to be more and more serious. If he continues to show a lack of regard and a lack of respect, then I think, yes, something needs to be done. But on, on the other hand, I also think that surely there's got to be a quick fix about this. If Arsene Wenger goes up to Flamini and says to him, you've done it twice, the next time you do it, you're getting fined a week's wages, and every single time you do it after that, you're going to get fined a week's wages. How many more times is he going to do it? If we're playing, you know, do the math. If we're playing two uh, games in a week, he's going to be owing us money, for crying out loud. You know, I just, um, I just think, just lay the, la- lay, lay the law down, and he won't be able to do it. He should definitely be respecting... Uh, forget traditions, because I'm, I'm more for logic than traditions, personally. Though I still think traditions, you know, have a place in the game. And I'm not saying they're um, the opposite to logic. A lot of the times, traditions are logical. But in terms of the sleeves one, if a player feels more comfortable and he's going to perform better as a result of feeling more comfortable wearing the sleeves that he wants to wear, he should be allowed. That's my opinion. But if this is the tradition, then, and it's, it's the rule, no player should think that they can call the shots. And that's where the issue lies here. It's about principles. Bergkamp, Henri, Vieira, Perez, Adams, Jungberg, Wrighty, Seaman. So many players have come in and not ruffled the feathers and just, uh, just accepted it. Even though Lee Dixon has actually said in the past that he l- likes to wear short sleeves. But he's just got on with it and respected it. So should Flamini. If he's not willing to do it, and if he thinks he is um, somehow exempt to the rules, then I'm sorry, but you'll have to bear the consequences. And if that means getting fined every week fine by me. If that means to the extent that he said, you know what, I don't want to play for this club anymore, well then fine, because, you know, Arsenal Football Club is bigger than any player. But I just think we need to realise that he's not, you know, uh, punched one of our play- like one of his teammates on the pitch. He right. is just cutting his steeds off. Let's not go berserk in terms of our reactions over it. Mm, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was watching the Bayern Munich game yesterday against CSK and they were wearing a mix of long and short sleeves. Yeah. I mean, why can't... I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I mean, know. you know, if I was to ask you two... Yeah, they have different traditions, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, but if I was to ask you two now, what is the logic behind this tradition? This is it. Sometimes... Well, uh, there isn't any logic, but... Uh, it yeah, it's just, you know, people it's, do... It's, it's the little things, though, you know, it's the little things. It is the little things, but, you know, I, you know, do you know what this reminds me of, really? It's... Uh, you know, Americans with their gun control. And then they'll always be like, oh yeah, but the Second Amendment says this. Well, who cares what the Second Amendment says? I love says? how you've managed to link, link the, uh, the length <laughs> of sleeves to um, the gun control in America. <laughs> NRA. <laughs> That's quite impressive to go from that to that. Not even but a, come on, like, you know what I'm saying? I, that that yeah, frustrates yeah. me because I just think myself, fair enough, the Second Amendment might say that, but who's to say the Second Amendment is right? Yeah, you, you talk it about principle. The thing about but some, of the, some traditions are, I think some traditions, I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody out there who's listening in Gunaland. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but some traditions may be a bit outmoded. No, but it's not okay. Playing devil's advocate here, though, I mean, if you, you talk about principles, Mo, if we, if we say to him, actually, do you know what? It kind of makes sense. You can wear what you want. What's happened is that he's betrayed the manager. He's done, a, he's done twice what the manager didn't want to happen. And we've, and we've said, actually, go on then. Seeing as you made a fuss, you can have your own way. What kind of message does that send to the rest of the players? No, but Cal, the thing is... It doesn't you, send you, a good message. You started that by saying, let me play devil's advocate. But I was already playing devil's advocate because I had already said <laughs> that he should actually obey the rules. 
Mm. And if, if it means that he gets fined a week's wages every single time he does it and he ends up wanting to leave the club a result of it, that okay, is fine, fine by me. With regards to your point about um, yeah. the, the logical side of it, you know, I think, you know, he, it, he, logically it makes sense, but it's gotten to the point now where if, I think if there was a U-turn from the club, it would send a bad message. Definitely. I'm not it's annoying that it's gotten to this here. point where that has to be the case. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not yeah. giving any flexibility here. The rules should be followed. You have to respect that you're not bigger than the club. If this uh, tradition slash rule was to be changed, it cannot be Flamini-led. It's got to be a case of, you know, we will sit The manager down, and the captain. Yeah, the manager, the captain, or even let's have a dem- democratic vote within the squad. You know, mm. just do something sensible. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I mean, the players um, asked for club suits, didn't they, on match days? That's just come yeah. back. Yeah. That was a general consensus, whether yeah. there wasn't any... Controversy about that, you know. This this could have been nicked in the. This oh be. yeah, that's the most annoying thing about but it. You know, uh, you know after the other sorry, one more thing on this. How does he? How does he pull this off? Because <laughs> I'm not being funny, but all right, let's just actually imagine it. Pretend we're all in the changing rooms right now. Don't get too excited, <laughs> G. And um, oh. all, all the players are there, and he he gets up and goes, "Oh, I'm uh, I'm I'm just going to the toilet." You know, people know he's done it before. Surely when he comes back, people check his thieves. Even when they're lined up in the tunnel, you know, can't someone, can't the captain have a quick check? I reckon uh, reckon, uh, Bentner smuggles in a pair of scissors in his beard or under his hat or something. God knows. But, you know, Flamini certainly doesn't do it on the pitch. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to be able to say, oh, look, you know, Flamini, he's done it again. And then Arthur Menger says to him, well, here's a new shirt, otherwise you're getting subbed off after one second and I'm going to make an example out of you, sometimes that's what it will, that's maybe what it will need to uh, be let's done, but listen, I don't let's understand how on, it's been, I don't understand yeah. how he's pulling it off. Let's move on, I mean, we've covered it to death now. It's just stupid. That's stupid. the end, that's the bottom line. Yeah, alright, let's move on to the, uh, sh- uh, go on, As, uh, you, uh, um, another uh, Twitter topic. Alright, uh, let, let's make this one a very quick one. Um, mm. New striker, so at PR1Y86 and at dead underscore RU, R-O-W-5, have said strikers. You know, which one are we going to get? Do we need to get a striker? The usual talk. So, um, yeah, go for it, that's far away. Go on, Carl. Well, um, yeah, I'm sure this is a topic that will also be talked to death over the next two months. But, um, I mean, I think it's, it's clear as day that we need some. We need another striker. Um, Bender isn't good enough. Giroud is is a, been, has, has had a great season, but he can't do it all on his own. Podolski didn't really um, in the few games he played the last year. He didn't really convince me that he's going to be good enough. But I don't think Wenger's convinced either. Um, so I think you know we, we need a striker. That's the one thing that can't be denied. With regards to who we're going to get, it would be. I mean, first of all, I find it extremely unlikely that a genuinely top class striker can become available in January. And even if he did, I can't see Wenger being ready to spend another 40 million or 30 million, um, especially not in January. So I think we have to manage our expectations. And, and really, I think, you know, we don't really need a world, I mean, we, of course, every, every team could do with another world class striker, of course, but I don't think we're, we're gonna, we're gonna definitely, you know, without, we don't know that we need that striker to win the league. I think we're able to be competitive without. Um, I mean, you look at Chelsea, they haven't got a world class striker. Um, so, Cal, which one do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> All right. If I could have anyone, well, I mean, I reckon Diego Costa would be an incredible signing. He's been absolutely superb for Atletico this season. Um, he's a real, he's a strong guy, but he's incredibly technical. He can finish. I mean, it'd be difficult to get him from, from Atletico, but he's um, he would be uh, 
Perhaps he's more of a bad boy than Luis Suarez, but he'd, he'd be a great, great. signing. Spit up. Okay, uh, Mo, what do you reckon? All right, well, first things first, yes, we do need a striker. Bentner is simply not good enough. Um, I always go back to the game against Chelsea. We saw what it would be like had Giroud, uh, if Giroud was injured. And uh, let's face it, you know, our, our season would probably implode if we had to play Bentner up front. So we definitely need a striker. And um, in terms of who that should be, uh, bloody hell, you know. Uh, for me personally, uh, I've asked a question before. How many times in the last 10 years has one of the world's top five current strikers been available on a free transfer? No one can give me an example. On that basis of rarity, we need to at least put in a bid for Lewandowski. One person, uh, I know what you were thinking, one person actually uh, messaged me on Twitter and said, uh, you're being an idiot, he signed a contract with Bayern Munich, I'm not following you anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm he, yeah, exactly, I was. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, we all know that if, if we were going to go down to the bookies, yeah, we'd put money on him going to Bayern, but until we have got that in writing on the Bayern Munich website, my point is, we have to show some ambition, we have to put in a bid for him. We can give him a hell of a lot of money, given the fact that we won't have to spend 25, 30, 35 million on him. So that's one thing we have to do. But the likelihood is we're not going to get him. So let's say put in a bid for him and fail and not get him. Um, and then it, for me, I'd say... Here, Henry. Anyone out <laughs> Without a doubt, Henry. <laughs> but uh, anyone out the following. Suarez, uh, Costa, Michu, Benteke, Benzema, uh, Levetzi, Pato. These are all options. I- I'm not saying who I want and who I don't want out of them. Uh, I think that's a bit futile, really. But they're all options. Um but what I would say, and I need to make myself very, very clear here. Mm. After we've gone and done that, oh, imagine, after oh. we've gone and got someone, imagine... Not been here that, before. <laughs> imagine oh. if that person gets injured. Oh. Then who's our reserve striker? It's Nicholas Bentner, right? Mm. So who would you rather have, Bentner or Henri? Oh, I knew he was going to say that. I, I knew this was coming. Why, <laughs> why, are you, why are you regurgitating old news? Well, we've had this argument already, though. No, I'm glad you... We've had it on Google Hangouts. <laughs> so, just answer my question, G. Imagine we sign Suarez and he gets injured at training on his first training session. Who's our reserve striker? Is Nicholas Bentner. Who would you rather have playing? Or who would you rather have on the bench? Bentner or Ron? I don't, I don't, I don't, if it was a choice between Nicholas Bentner and Lucas, P- Lucas Podolski and, and R- uh, Theo Walker, I'd have the other two. I'd have the latter two. I wouldn't right. have the Given All right. the current situation... <laughs> but you said... It's, and the thing is, how freaky would that be if our new signing got injured as well as Ben? Um, uh, you shouldn't Jim. answer hypothetical questions. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into this. I refuse. I blatantly, I patently refuse to get into this with you because... Do you know what, G? I'm gonna unfollow you. I'm gonna unfollow you, G. You're not my friend anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All I wanna say about that, Mo, though, when I was watching the hangout the other day, I have to say, you talk, you're obviously very romantic in terms of football and stuff, but do you not think, though, that Henri's return last time round against Leeds, against Sunderland, it was so perfect. It'd be such a shame to ruin it if he came back as a 36-year-old guy who's clearly coming towards the end of his career and he just didn't perform. And then suddenly, oh yeah, we'll talk about the time he came back. Oh, what a great goal against Leeds, da-da-da. Oh yeah, and then he came back again, didn't he? And he was crap. But that's why I don't want to happen. It was so yes. perfect last time. But then I would, argue that. Yeah, I would argue that you're being the romantic now because... I'm not saying wrong with being yet. I'm just saying yeah, using yeah, your own I'm, kind of. I'm just saying I'm not being romantic when I say this. There's an element of romance to it. Don't get me wrong, but I am risking 
his fairy tale return. You know, I am risking that uh, story in his book. You know, it might he might come round, he might come back and just be kind of average and it'd be a massive anticlimax. But the fact of the matter is, I think we'll be left in better stead should we need to use him instead of Bentner. So I'm actually not being fantastic. I can't think bring, genuinely offer him to us. Uh, you, can't bring, you can't bring him back as a fourth choice striker or something, meaning he'll almost definitely not play any game. Listen, or if he, let's not no, decide that for him. Let him decide that. He's got enough <laughs> love for the club to say, do you know what, yeah, I'll happily sit on the bench. That's my opinion. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say anyone but any striker coming in, as long as he's not in the shape of Giroud, we've got a Giroud-type striker. Yeah, yeah. And I think well, Benzema's system shape. depends on a Giroud type now. We couldn't, no, we couldn't no. do it with like a Hernandez. We, we, he likes intelligent strikers. It's not just because Giroud's a big lump. He's actually intelligent. So he likes intelligent strikers. There are there are enough intelligent. Do you strikers. not think playing as a pivot in you know as the lone striker? You see Giroud is completely um, handle you know. Give but don't you think, a don't you think, can, can, okay, could okay. a less physical striker do that? I don't know. All right. Okay, so don't you think the other players are intelligent enough to adapt to having somebody who's a bit more nimble, a bit more quick? I'm sure they are, but it's not necessarily... I just think that so much you of our think players... our system so rigid that we couldn't accommodate... No, it's not rigid. I just think that you, you're missing... A, I mean, the thing, the criticism with Walcott when he plays up front is that he goes anonymous. And I think a lot of that is because he's he hasn't got the physical presence to... I mean, if you give the ball to to Walcott and he's not and you know quite often we're squeezed up we don't have that okay we so Giroud often has his back to goal away from goal and he's got to c- control the ball a long ball's up um, against someone you know against Shawcross and Huth for example and he can do that Walcott this can't do that but Olsky can't do that a player that we need someone more physical okay let's get <laughs> away from Walcott gee how many times do you try and get in there that was hilarious <laughs> you know what happens now? get it right to me but <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like, but let's get away from Walcott, the Walcott figure. There's other kinds of strikers out there, you know, that different from Walcott, that different from Podolski, you know what I mean, that, that can play that role, that can play up front, you know, and I think we, you know, if we do go for a striker, we should, you know, we should, we should, we should, we should, we should explore it. If someone like Loic Remy was available, he would be an excellent. Remy is still quite physical, he's not, he's not easy to push off the ball. But he's quick. Yeah, but he's I'm, he's, saying, I'm not saying we have to buy someone slow. Mobile. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, kind of what I would say, if we're going to fork out the money to go and buy someone, I want it to be a plan B. If it's uh, too similar to Giroud, then, you know, all of a sudden we don't have that plan B, and or it's, it's not an effective uh, use of our money. So what I'd say, some, someone like Benteke is a bit too similar. Someone like Remy would be absolutely ideal in, in terms of value for money and then, you know, offering a plan yeah, B. I, I'm not saying I don't want any fast strikers. I'm just saying that we need someone who also has a bit of a physical presence. I don't know why otherwise... you don't want a fast striker, Callum. I, no, I, said I, do want a, I said I do want a fast striker. I don't understand why you don't want one. I just, I'm just saying I, I just said I do. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong with you. <laughs> I'm winding you up, mate. I'm going to unfollow you. You're talking yeah, you, <laughs> Alright, can I just say, before we, move on, <laughs> we, before, before we move on, I don't know if you lot, any of you lot read um, at Trimi Ratchkacheri, our new blogger, um, his, his piece on um, why it might work against us to buy a big-name striker in January. Now, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I retweeted it um, to several people, and, they, and he actually got... Um, a couple of people that um, were in agreement, you know, um, that um, it, it, it it might, I mean, I didn't read the whole article, but, um, you know, what do you reckon to that? Do you think that we well, need to... I mean, I understand the, the argument, and um, Giroud has been brilliant, but at the same time, you know, you, you, you add a striker in who can offer something different to Giroud whilst also being 
physical. Um, and then, you know, I don't, we just, it's just the thing more than anything, whether you think Giroud's good enough or you don't, we just, we can't go by with, with Benner as our second choice. So we have to get someone in. I mean, I'd be quite happy bringing in someone of a lower, lower cap, you know, someone who's not a world class striker in January because I just think it's too hard. But, I mean, Michu, yeah, but the thing with Michu is he'd probably cost you 20 million. And if in the summer, you know, a world class player did come available, but we say, oh no, we've already spunked 20 million on Michu, then suddenly you think, ah, perhaps we should have been a bit that's, more. That's, that's the difficult thing, isn't it? Yeah. Do we, we, should, we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't blow our load. Early, so to speak, on oh, and you, get panicky. You, you just said spunked on Mitchell and he's a blow, <laughs> blow our load. Who's going to have to I be like on that? the mindset? Do you know oh, what? That, no. uh, that program at Cavos has just come on. That's why I think. Cal, do you want five minutes and you can come back and actually. Uh... <laughs> too long. Too long. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I've been talking about Giroud too much just uh, it gets to me you know? but, um, no, but all, I'm, all I'm saying is that even though we, we need a striker you know, I don't think we should in our desperation to get a striker we go and pay over the odds for someone like for example like, I think Benteke would be a good signing but not for 28 million or 30 million um, play, and we'd be kicking out alright mate alright let's just <laughs> <laughs> You asked for it, mate. The standard of this show goes down. It's a common denominator. It's Mo, I think. It's, uh, it's all we're, we're a very civilized bunch. For each he other. asked for it. Come on, he asked. I for didn't it. ask for it. Um, I tell you what, I do. I do like Benteke though, because uh, even though he's similar, mate, yeah. he's, 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 you could tell he's going to be a beast. But not for thirty million, I wouldn't like him. No, I mean, too no. similar to Giroud. Um, in a way, but he's more mobile. You know, he's a bit more, he's a bit more mobile than Giroud. He's a better finisher, I'd say, as well. He can run the lines, he can run the channels as well. Callum, you say that, but if you look at uh, Benteke's uh, kind of shot conversion and uh, chance conversion this year, wasteful. He's but he's terrible. This this year, definitely, he's dropped off, which makes me think he's more than worth 30 million, but he scores the kind of goal that I couldn't potentially see Giroud scoring, if you know what I mean. The thing is, he's dropped off, but remember, he's come back from injury. He's only still only 22, 23. Oh, yeah, no, he'd be a great, he'd, he'd be a great player. He's going to improve, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel less comfortable buying him. I'd rather get someone like Remy, uh, someone like me no, too. We'd all, we'd all like Remy, but is he, I don't think he's even available. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, uh, the thing is, with, with, loan, with loan deals, you know, sometimes there's a recall option. From what I have read, it doesn't seem like there is with, uh, with this No, I, I don't think, think I think if there was, there, there would be a lot more stories about him leaving in January to go somewhere else. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. Remy would be good because we could get him cheap. Um, but has he not still got um, sexual assault charges hanging over his head as well? That people Tell him, of... stop it, mate. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gee, the title of this pod has got to be uh, Would You Blow Your Load All on... <laughs> I don't know what he say. Would You Blow Your Load All on... Would You Blow Your Load and Spank on Me Too? Something like that. It's got to be that. <laughs> No, all right. Okay. All right. Let's 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 get some order back in here, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Cool. Okay. So uh, moving on, we'll um, up next. We're going to talk to um, Ben James from the View from Ninian. Okay, so on this week's edition of Behind Enemy Lines, we have Ben James from At The View From Ninian. Um, you're a Cardiff City supporter and you, you work the podcast as well. So, yeah. good evening, Ben. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you, two? How are you guys? Not too All bad. Right. <laughs> um, great. So, Cardiff have uh, returned to the top flight. 
Um, yeah. You've had an interesting uh, time of it, you know. Um, yeah. You've had some great results beating Man City uh, in the last minute or the last few minutes and obviously the the recent result against Man United. And then you've, you know, had some not so good results. But yeah. it's what what has the fan base made of the season so far? Um, I think everyone's really pleased with it so far, you know. I think we, we kind of came into the league not really knowing what to expect. We spent a bit of cash in the summer on a few players and I think it's just, it's all gone really well so far. I think the start of the season, a couple of the performances we put in weren't the best, but now it's all coming together and I think it culminated in a really good performance against United. I think it was the best performance of the season so far. And we were, you know, we were good value for our point. I think if, if, if even if we'd won the game, people would have been a bit kind of, you know, they wouldn't have been saying it was a, a bad result for United. I think we, we just played really well. Mm, good stuff. All right. Um, you, this weekend we're, we're, we're visiting your, your, your yeah. neck of the woods with, with, um, one of your own sons, uh, Aaron Ramsey, who's had a stellar yeah. season. Um, what have you made of his, his, his progression? Um, I've always, I, you know, we, we had Aaron Ramsey when he, we saw his debut when he was like 16 years old and everyone knew that he was going to be a special player. And I think, um, I think we all kind of took it personally last season when the kind of Arsenal fans were getting on top of him and getting behind him, uh, you know, kind of booing him and stuff like that. And I think because we see him as the best player that Cardiff City have ever produced. And I think it was only a matter of time that he started producing the form that he is producing. I think, yeah. obviously, the broken leg just completely knocked his confidence and completely came at the wrong time for him. Mm-hmm. And um, this season, I think it's just, for most Cardiff fans, everyone's just glad to see him fulfilling his potential and fulfilling the potential that we, we knew he had. Yeah. Do you see, do you think this is, I mean, he obviously had the injury, the horrific injury and yeah. whatnot. But um, did you always think that he, the way he's playing now, you guys always obviously thought that this, you know, he, this was always inevitable that he would reach this level of, of yeah. performance. Well, we kind of, when we, he was in our reserves, he was known as this box-to-box midfielder who was full of like creation and full of um, running. So I think it was just uh, kind of, I think last season, obviously with, with Fabregas leaving and everything else, um, there was a lot of pressure on him to kind of fulfil that role that. I don't think he was ready for, but this season I think with you know the players that are backing up, you've got Ozil and Wilshire in there as well. It kind of it's freed him up a little bit, and I think it's freed him up to to be that attacking force that he's become. So I think I, you know I, I didn't ex- I I always knew he was a quality player, but scoring the, the amount of goals that he scored this season, I think that's kind of a new thing. He didn't score many for us, but he's absolutely banging them into you, isn't he? Yes, he is. Um, what kind of reception do you reckon he'll get? Because when we when we was over at Swansea, he didn't get the best of uh, receptions <laughs> from the. Um, <laughs> No, did he score and he put his fingers to his lips to tell him to shush a little bit because they were getting on his back? I think he'll get the best reception down here. I think we booed Ryan Giggs at the weekend and I think that was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I think Ramsey will be kind of welcomed back with open arms. We had him on loan, I think, about three seasons ago and he um, he, he set up the, the winner in, in a derby game and he was just fantastic for us. So I think we'll, we'll welcome him back with applause and cheers. It's like the prodigal son coming home, really. Okay, let me open the floor to uh, the other guys. Uh, Mo? Yep, um, how's it going, Ben? You okay? Yeah, good. Good, good. Um, Thank you very much for uh, the injury time winner against United. We all uh, enjoyed that. That was very nice. No problem. And um, what did you make of uh, Rooney's kick and Ebra's dive? Rooney's kick was... It was an interesting one. It happened on the far side of the pitch for me, but I, I knew he'd done something bad, and I think it was... It was obvious that the ref saw it, and I think he completely bottled the decision. I think, like, much just kind of muscled him off the ball a little bit and really took offence. And you could see that he went for him, because, like, the way he, he kicked him, he kicked him with the unnatural foot to kick him almost, because he kind of stopped his run to, to leather him with his stronger foot, if you will, and it kind of went through the back of him, and it was, 
it was a red card offence all day, but I'm kind of glad he didn't get sent off because it added to the game, I think, a little bit. Oh. And you see, if that Edward. was a Santi Cazorla, he could have kicked him with either foot because he's that bloody good. <laughs> <laughs> and be dexterous, if you will. <laughs> and Edward's dive, I, I can't remember Edward's dive. You have to, have to refresh my memory on that one. Oh, he was in the penalty box, threw himself to the floor like a little tart to, um, you know, try and con the ref. But just, just uh, I, 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 I've got a massive bugbear with diving. Um, even Arsenal okay. players, uh, I, I don't spare them my wrath when I see it happen. And I absolutely <laughs> hate it. Um, so yeah, it's one th- one thing I always notice to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. And um, um, I, I quite like. Sorry, carry on. I, I was going to say I quite like the um, Medell's slap on uh, slap on Fellaini. That was my personal. Oh favorite. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fellaini did the same thing to um, Shawcross last year, didn't he? He punched well, him. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, think sure I would like Fellaini it, to do that, because Shawcross does deserve it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, made, it's, it's, it's a massive mismatch between Medell and... Um, there must be about 10 foot between, you know, mismatch between Medell yeah. and Fellaini, but he spread up to him, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. That's nice the thing with Gary Medell. I think they had an interview with him recently and he said that um, he was involved in a, a friendly game when he was like 14, 15 for like an amateur team in his hometown and it all kicked off and um, he scored like the winner with, in the 91st minute or something like that and the opposing fans wanted to fight him. So the, the interviewer said, so what did you do? He said, well, I went and fought them, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> in that case, isn't it? I do like his style of play it's a bit like Flamini but um, that's one battle I'm really looking forward to coming up Flamini Medell if there is a two bookings two guaranteed bookings you got there yeah Yeah. if there's a 50-50 between the two of them yeah there's going to be one monumental 50-50 isn't it yeah Yeah, it's going to be absolutely brilliant Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you 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 mentioned the booing of Ryan Giggs was tongue-in-cheek I've got my theory about why he might have been booed but I mean (laughs) it didn't sound tongue-in-cheek to me no, well, basically, I think what it stems from, and it stems, I, you know, I used to support, well, I still do support Wales, but I used to go to all the Wales games when I was sort of um, 14, 15, that's when Ryan Giggs was still playing for Wales, and me and my dad used to call him Judas, because he would never come for the friendlies, he'd only kind of turn up as and when he wanted, so I think what happened was, there's a lot of kind of fans at the club who, who only support Cardiff City and don't really support Wales, and the ones who do support Wales would have booed him, and the ones okay. who didn't support Wales would have kind of applauded him. But I think some of it was tongue-in-cheek, because I think when, when Ramsey came down last time we played you lot in Indian Park, he got a few boos, and that was kind of the same thing. I think it was just kind of tongue-in-cheek. Fair enough. Well, yeah, I mean, my theory was, uh, you know, it was yeah. the fact that for eight years he had his tongue in his brother's wife's cheek. So... Uh, <laughs> It's not even allegedly, is it? It's just fact. <laughs> no, I, I, just, um, I don't know. I just think that out of all the things any footballer has ever done, it, I mean, I remember the great mental Brazilian forward Edmundo. He got, uh, on his son's like first birthday party, he got a monkey drunk. You know, <laughs> even that isn't as bad as sleeping with your own brother's wife Welcome eight to the podcast, years. Mate. I thought it'd be that personally. I, th- I think it's, it's the worst thing I've ever heard of a, of a footballer doing. So I, I thought it was that, but um, clearly not. Clearly not. The thing is, it gets glossed over a little bit as well, doesn't it? You know, John Terry, I know John Terry did bad things as well, but whenever he's mentioned, it's, you know, John Terry sleeps with other people's wives, that yeah. doesn't, that automatically follows. But with Ryan Giggs, it's kind of, Ryan Giggs, most decorated preliminary ship player of all time, and then it's yeah, never really exactly. mentioned. He's almost like his royalty to the establishment, isn't he? I, I'm yeah. It's just weird. But your own brother, I, I don't, I haven't got a brother, but I don't know if any of you guys have. <laughs> yeah. but if you just imagine yeah, it. Yeah, just imagine that. Doesn't that... It's the worst about treachery, isn't it? It's yeah. unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah, we're going a bit right, topic. Let's bring Callum in. Let's bring Callum in. <laughs> <laughs> Hiya, Ben. Um, <laughs> hi, Callum. Uh, yeah, um, 
I was going to ask you because we, 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 your three biggest results this season, Cardiff, United, and City. You know, you've been your three biggest games, and um, yeah. you know they're the ones I've watched all three of them. And you yeah. know, you look brilliant. But then at the same time, you, when you see those games, you kind of think, oh, shouldn't Cardiff be a little bit higher on the table? Um, I mean, it was. Uh, I think it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was not long after the City game that you lost at home to Newcastle, who were weren't particularly yeah. brilliant at that point in time. So, and also, um, do you, do you worry a little bit that you, at the moment you're a team that in the big games, when the home crowd are behind you, you'll be up for it. But when it comes to the, the smaller teams where it's a bit, you know, the crowd aren't quite as raucous that it perhaps, you know, the players aren't quite as up for it. And I mean, like, correct me again if I'm wrong, but to me, Fraser Campbell's two best games seems to have come against United and City. But outside yeah. of those two games, he doesn't really seem to have set the world alight. No, I think, I think the Man City game, I think we were pretty poor against Man City. We were very good defensively, but going forward we were pretty poor. And it just kind of, it was a bit smash and grab almost. But you're right in the sense that the players were really up for it. Um, but then our kind of most dominating attacking performances when we played against Fulham away, I think we had, we had something like 25 shots on goal, 60% of the possession, and we won 2-1. And, you know, Fulham is, it's a sedentary ground. It's, it's quiet fans, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think that it, it's kind of going both ways at the moment, but I think, um, I think we, we lack the consistency away from home. And like you say, you know, when we played Newcastle, we were, we were actually all right in the second half against Newcastle, but it was only when Jordan Much came on that our performance improved. Against Tottenham, which I know you guys don't like to hear this, but they, they absolutely battered us. They had something like 30 shots on goal, and David Marshall put in the, That's the goal. That's the story of their season, though. The century. Been... Yeah, they, they absolutely dominated us, but could only score in the 90th minute. And it was kind of like... But, um, I think you're right, you know, I think when we played United, we, you know, when we played United at the weekend, that was probably the best performance of our season so far. It kind of, we, we matched them, we kind of looked up for it, we were consistent all the way through the game, we weren't kind of good defensively before going forward. And Fraser Campbell was probably man of the match, but like you say, he's been pretty poor away from that. I, I almost called him for him to be dropped ahead of the game. So, the I mean, do we think, in. because this is another big game, do you think Campbell's the main man we should be afraid of, or are there other players that perhaps don't get quite as much tension that can do us the I most damage? I think Campbell's the one to be afraid of because we're playing, we play one man up front and he's the focal point for our attack. Um, but I think Jordan March behind him is, is, our, is our danger man. You know, the ball he put through for Campbell's goal at the weekend was world class. Is he the one who scored the screamer against Fulham, was it? Yeah, he was and he scored the goal yeah. against Chelsea as well. And kind of last season he was a bit part player but this year he's become the focal point of our attacks almost. And I think Campbell kind of does a lot of running up front but much behind him is where, where the magic happens. And I think if if, you know, if you're looking out for one player, I'd say Jordan much ahead of the weekend, although I don't, you know, don't know how much joy he'll get against your midfield. I've been very impressed by Jordan much. I, I think he's, he's very young, and he, I think he's really a yeah. player to, to watch out for. Um, any, any reason why the sudden rise in his performance, and are you worried about keeping him? Um, I'm not worried about keeping him. I think we will keep him for a little while, but I don't know what it was. Last season, I thought we'd, sign, we'd signed him for a couple of million quid, and I thought, God, he just doesn't look up to it. He kind of gives the ball away, he looks lazy, but I think... He, he was coming back from injury and he got injured towards the middle of last season. I think this season we've kind of played him in a different role. We've played him at the top of like a diamond in the midfield. And I think because he's got Medell behind him, he's, he's so free to kind of play almost a free role where he's able to pick up the ball in, in the half and drive at plays. And I think that's the key to it really is, is having a player behind him to do all the dog work for him and he can just be, be freer. And I think, you know, I think few people have said that he, he should be called up to the England squad. And if, you know, if he's not a game. Yeah, well, exactly. Tom Clem- if Tom Clemby can get a gig anywhere, then much should be called up for the England squad, really. <laughs> Did he, didn't you have another player, though, Joe Mason, that was, you know, you know, supposed to be on fire at one point a couple of seasons yeah. ago? Was he, was yeah, he he's, of... he's still knocking about. Um, I used to call he's him just gone on Joe Bolton. 
Yeah, he has, yeah, until January the 5th. He just hasn't had a... Um, last season, you know, the first season he was there, he scored against Liverpool at Wembley to, you know, to take the lead in the League Cup final. But last season, I think, when we signed players like Kimbo Kyung and um, Fraser Campbell, he kind of just lost out a little bit. He's still young as well. He's still only about 20, 21. And I think he just needs games at the moment. But I think... I don't know. That's the problem. We've got all these players now, and I don't know where you can fit in, really, from now. Okay, so, okay, so you've mentioned Campbell. You've mentioned much. Who are your other... Who would you say your other key players? Um, Peter Whittingham. I think mm. he hasn't had the best season so far, but, yeah, great deliveries on the ball, and he can always conjure something out of nothing. And um, Stephen Colker at the centre of defence has just been... He's been a revelation, really, since he's come in. He's just so calm and so kind of strong and commanding that it's you know it's hard not to have confidence in him, and he's kind of led the line so well for us in terms of being the leader by example kind of thing. And I think he's he's one that you know I think him and Giroud will have a quite a nice battle I think on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If you don't mind, guys, I want to take uh, take uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions, but uh, not off the pitch, more kind of about on the pitch matters. And um, yeah. basically, you've got my genuine heartfelt sympathies because I I feel as though football clubs are like a family member, you know, like they. Yeah. You know, you do get this real attachment to them. You don't want people to start coming and messing around. And your new owner, yeah. though mm. your performances on the pitch have, they're brilliant. You know, you're in the Premier League and you're doing well. Yeah. Um, you know, survival very much in sight. You're not languishing or yeah. anything. But on the other hand, the, the changes he's made behind the scenes. You know, even as an Arsenal fan, they make me sick. The fact that all of a sudden you find yourself playing in red and you're called the Bluebirds. Yeah. I cannot think what I would do if yeah. Arsenal were playing home games in blue. I would go berserk. Oh. Is he sort of like your Welsh Abramovich? Because he didn't, didn't he nearly fall out with uh, Mark Mackay a couple of months ago as well. <laughs> it was, um... he, he doesn't. Him and Malky Mackay don't talk to each other. They okay. they, they kind of don't, they don't, don't have a relationship as such because he, he sacked Ian Moody, who was our head of recruitment, who was responsible for getting players like Medell and Colker in. He sacked him, and we haven't been given reason for that sacking. But like the point on the red kit's just it's just one of those things. Like like you know when when it when it happened, it happened about three seasons, two seasons ago now, and no one could believe it. Then he said it wouldn't happen. Then it did happen. It's just kind of I think it's it's hard to walk away from it, but. You kind of just go along, and you, you you know that your football team is like the laughing stock of the country. But like, it's set a dangerous precedent now. Because you can see it happening at Hull, and even like yeah. Hull are changing yeah. the name to Hull Tigers, Hull Tigers and yeah, Hull City Tigers. The thing, the thing is though, like if you look at like for example the Venkies at Blackburn, I mean it's easy to ha- for a Black, Blackburn fan to hate them because they just got them relegated and have just been awful yeah. since they came in. But with Cardiff, they've had. This guy, I mean, so long Cardiff were always the nearly men, weren't they? And now yeah. this guy's come in, giving you that bit of money, and he's got you to the Premier League, and that's where you've wanted to be for so long. So in one case, you've got yeah. to be like, well, he did, he did, you know, get us to where we want to be, but in doing so, he's kind of ripped out the soul of the club, and it just feels like yeah. a, a horrible situation. And um, I mean, Malcolm Mackay is a great manager, and it, it feels like he's working in such horrible conditions. I mean, it's just yeah. it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, it's, really. It's, it's one of those situations that you never believe you'd find your football club in. And like when it does happen to you, you, you just don't know how to react. Because on one hand, like you say, it's your hometown club. It's, I've been going since I was three. I'm 25 now. So, you know, it's, it's my whole life, basically, is Cardiff City. And then by the same token, like the soul has been ripped out of your club. I know people who've fallen out with their best friends about it. I know people who have kind of, you know, there's arguments between fans. It's kind of like divide and conquer at the moment. And he's held us to ransom, basically. It was either red kit and money or nothing, and we walk away. And because the club's financial situation is so perilous anyway, that without him, we're absolutely screwed. But 
at the moment it looks like with him we're absolutely screwed as well because <laughs> yeah he has he, ben, he hasn't turned any of the money into equity it's just loans at the moment wow ben you know um, from my point of view i as i said you really do have my sympathies i've always felt sorry for leeds with uh, when, when people yeah. end up gambling with a club and then the fans the portsmouth. ultimately yeah mm. portsmouth more than anyone yeah. Rangers mm. as well. My my heart really does go out to them teams and the fans of them teams because you know I uh, am a firm believer that when people own a club, they are merely passing by. You know they're they're meant to be yeah. stewards of something that is bigger than any one person or any group yeah. of people. Yeah. And it's just horrible to see yeah. him in the stands, laughing and joking, wearing the red, and not realizing that. You know e- even as an Arsenal fan, it really annoys me and gets to me and. I don't know, you said that you feel like your club's a laughing stock, and I'll assure you that your, your club isn't a laughing stock, he is. You know, I, I certainly okay. appreciate the fact that there's nothing that you can do, and it's a feeling of helplessness, and, you know, you'd rather yeah. have your club survive than it disappear. But, um, yeah. I don't know, I just, uh, all, all you need to do is just earn enough money to buy the club off him, and yeah. put everything that's, back to order. You, that's what I'm trying to do. Ben, can I just ask you a question? We've had uh, Steve Carroll from uh, Swansea, Swansea. I don't mean to piss you off. <laughs> Serious question. <laughs> right. Um, and I asked him, I said, would you swap what you have for what, what Cardiff have? And he said, not in a million years. They could have all the yeah. money they want. We've got plurality, 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 <laughs> full ownership or whatever. More than one owner. Who's not it? Who's not it? <laughs> in the club um, we wouldn't change it for the world I mean what, what do you think I mean do you, do, you, do you look over the over South Wales across the across the valleys and look at um, Swansea and think oh they're more stable they're you know they're playing good football or whatever or do you are, are, are you you know happy to be screwed as you are no you I, I look at Swansea and think that you know it's it pains me to say it, but they're running the model, you know, the model way. They've got fans on the board. They're owned by a fan. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, the fan ownership model's working really well for them. Because this season, I think they've turned around a profit of £16 million. Pounds. Yeah. And, you know, they sign players like Boney and Shelby, which I do feel sorry for them having Voldemort in their team. But, you know, it's just, they just can't be choosers. <laughs> and um, that, you, you look at the way their club's running. It's, it's running the right way. You know, our club's run in the wrong way in terms of Vincent Tan's come in. He's ripped out the heart and soul of the club. He's, he's pumping money into the club, but the money isn't being pumped in in equity. It's being pumped in at loans at the moment. So we still owe him a lot of money. So it's not even as if that our future is secure. It's just for now, the football club's being run almost in the right way. But at the same time, I think if if we got fans together who were worth 100 million quid each and they could buy the club, I think every single one of the Cardiff City fans would snap it off their hands. Okay. Ben, you know, just, just I think before we move on, I just want to say that, you know, I, I think, um, you know, fair play to you on a personal level. You, you've uh, actually impressed me with your objectivity and... Um, you know, e- even like what you said about your biggest rivals and stuff. You know, not not many fans speak with that much sense and objectivity. You wouldn't. Gee, listen, I've already told you I'm gonna unfollow you on Twitter, so don't. I, I don't know what I can do next. Stop, stop it's just Spurs it. fans. Anyone who doesn't want Henri back in January. <laughs> um, ben, do you think Arsenal should get Henri back on loan? I think if you were offered it. You'd be silly not to take it if it's not going to cost you. There you go. <laughs> oh, God. I know get off the show. Get off the show. <laughs> Shall I just go now? Shall I leave it? You doomed us all. Getting back to football matters. Getting back to football matters. Um, what kind of system do you think Marky Mackay will, will, will employ on Saturday? 
I think he'll keep it as it is. We've kind of played a kind of four-five-one over the last couple of weeks, and um, I think it'll stay the same because we're defending well, and we are, you know, against Man United, we did attack in in, in ways, and it did attack really well. I just think that I think he may, might make one change. I think Peter Odenwingi might drop out because he's been useless since we signed him. <laughs> so um, I think Odenwingi will drop out, and hopefully we'll see him. We've got a, a lad from Denmark who hasn't really played yet, and I'd like to see him give him a go because he looked. Yeah, Cornelius. He, he came on for about ten minutes against United, and he managed to um, absolutely boss Fellaini off the ball at one point. So I just—he's a hero already in my eyes. <laughs> well, Ben, I'll give you a little inside info. We've got a lad from Denmark, and he is shit. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that? Nicholas Bentner. I've heard of him. That's strictly uh, inside information there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll don't get tell anyone because we're trying to get rid of him. <laughs> Okay, as we always do around, uh, as, as we wrap up the uh, Behind Enemy Lines section, we're going to ask you for your predictions for Saturday's game, Ben. Uh, so we'd like the first goal scorer and scoreline. First goal scorer, uh, I'm going to say Permetasaka. Bit of a controversial one. I think you'll beat us 3-1 as well. Oof. Beat, I'm usually an optimistic person, but um, I just, I think... This game's a write-off for us. I think you guys are playing so well at the moment that I can't see us beating you, I'm afraid. Wow. Well, that's uh, well, fair play to you, mate. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you against top teams, you know what I mean? I, 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 we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> right, was, uh, I, was I meant to say 8 mil to us? What's your Twitter handle? You just... it's, it's at view from the Nin. Right, great. And will you be there on Saturday? Cheerio yeah, of boys. course. I'll be there. Are you guys coming down or? Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could, mate. Um, I have prior commitments and I don't often get to get to get to go to away games, but this mm. this weekend I couldn't anyway. But I would, I would quite like to. I like Cardiff. I've been there for Yeah, me too. Great city. Yeah, it's a good city. Not bad for not bad place to live. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right, then. Thank you very much for uh, Ben for coming on and uh, all the best for the season going forward. Okay. Yeah, you too. Good to chat to you, boys. See you, Ben. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Ben James from View from the Nin. All right, then, fellas. um, Let's um, look towards wrapping up the show. Um, Going... Talking, speaking about Saturday's game, what do you reckon the um, what, what, what do you reckon we're gonna how do you reckon we're gonna play? What do you reckon we're gonna how, what do you reckon the scoreline is gonna be? Mo, all right, I think um, we will employ two defensive midfielders um, at Cardiff. I think it will be Arteta and Flamini, and I think it's a sensible move to Manchester because I think they deserve uh, that uh, team selection. You know, in terms of respecting what they've been doing at home recently. So, it, it, you know, a lot of people get frustrated when they see that. I think it's fine away from home against teams that are going to be difficult to break down, especially with Demel. You know, he he's going to be quite defensive. Um, you know, Demel, you mean Medel? Demel plays for West Ham. Medel, yeah. <laughs> Medel, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think um, you know it will be quite a battle in that midfield, and I think you know we will have two defensive midfielders on there. I think we'll win two one. Um, but I think it'll be really tough. I really do. I I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get three points. But I think we'll just sneak it because we've developed that good habit. Great stuff, um, Cal. I think we'll give them a good spunking. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I think um, <laughs> it'll be it'll be tight. It'll be cagey. Um, they'll set up their stall. We're 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 pretty good at doing the same. So 
with that in mind, probably five four. <laughs> five four. No, I think no. I, I, I think Mo. I think Mo's quite on the ball though with the two one. I think if, if we do win, it will be um, it will be scrappy. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we kept a clean sheet. But at the same time, if uh, they scored for the set piece, I wouldn't be too surprised either. But um, so I'm gonna be boring and agree with Mo as I never like to do, uh, and go with a two one win and first goal scorer. Aaron Ramsey, because he, he hasn't scored for a while and it's his hometown team. So, yeah, 2-1 win, Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. Alright, well, I'm gonna, I think we're gonna keep another clean sheet. I think it breeds confidence. I think Mertesacker will kill anybody in the team that doesn't, you know, doesn't do his job. Um, so I think we're gonna score. I think it'll be, I think we're gonna go, I'm gonna go 1-0. We we'll go 1-0, and I'm gonna go Giroud. We one. also say, will Flamini wear long sleeves? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Will he play I, all together? I think he's mm. my first goal scorer. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to go for Ramsey. You know, old boys, uh, club, uh, players at the old clubs, mm-hmm. they uh, seem to do it, don't they? So I'm going to go for Ramsey. We're both going for a 2 1 win with Ramsey, first goal scorer. What's going on with you two, man? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Maybe our minds are more alike than you think, Mo. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I'm broke, going on. I'm very worried now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Will Flamini obey by the rules? Oh God, I would I would absolutely hate it if he was dropped because of this. You know, either whether because he keeps it keeps it up or if you know Vega just loses. Co- I just it just I really hope it's resolved by the weekend. You know Mo made a good point. I, I wonder if anyone's going to actually going to fucking check his sleeves before he turns. He, he must. He must do. I mean, you'd think you know somebody would. I mean, if, if they don't do it this time and he comes out again, then it's, it's the club's fault. Yeah, it's not hard, is it? It's not hard. If they see him carrying in the corner. And just you need to get Murtasaka over there, just go <laughs> no, take it off but, him. You know the thing is right. Um, I don't think Flamini is a sort of devious little shit to kind of um, say, oh no 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 yeah I'll, I'll listen to the captain and then sneakily go and do it. No, I think if someone goes up to him beforehand and says, are you going to abide by the rules? I think he'll just t- say to them straight to their face, no I'm going to cut my sleeves off. And in which case you don't select him. So I, I, I think we need to you know just kind of deal with this in a, in a more efficient, mature way. Yeah. Just, hope, just roll your sleeves up, Matthew. It's not. It's it's not. Just do what Giroud. That's what Giroud does. Um, I don't, I don't He's know. beautiful, so. Yeah. I, if the club want to hire me to be a sleeve-length coordinator, I'm more than happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they could hire you for something. Well, I don't. I think Callum would like to do a short-length coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back to the A's, I think. <laughs> cool. All right. So that was um, good. Another good show. Um, do you, wanna, do you know you guys want to thank anyone out there in Twitter land? I haven't got any followers because Mo's just unfollowed me during the space of this, this <laughs> thing. So, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't. I don't want to thank anyone, but what I do want to do is let's have a little word for Pat Rice. Um, oh, yeah. You know, legend of the club, absolute legend, then really, really sad to hear the news. Um, you know. You, you guys can say a word, and whilst you do that, I'm going to try and pull up how many appearances he had for us, how much time of his, how many years of his life he's given to our club, because... Well, you know, it was 400, no, 400 and something, was it 400 or 450 appearances for the club, More 59 that. caps for, for, for Ireland, he was, I think he turned, he joined the club in 64, won the, won the Dublin in 71, didn't he? Uh, played until he's just he's just Arsenal through and through, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's I'm I mean, too young. To yeah, you know what? He's got a perfect managerial record as well. Exactly, three <laughs> out of three. Guys, let me tell you this: 
from the day I, from the year I was born, 1984 to 2012, he had a position at Arsenal, youth team yeah. coach, 84 to 96. Yeah. Then 96, he was caretaker manager, 100% record, three wins out of three. And then 96 to 2012, he was assistant manager. So that's 28 years. Mm, unbroken. He, and that, that's not even his playing career. Yeah. Playing exactly. career, he really is. 66 to 1980, 14 yeah. years. And I know everyone calls Tony Adams Mr. Arsenal, but, you know, Pat Rice is pretty, he's up there, isn't he, with them? Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm too young to remember his playing days, but. You know, too. I mean, <laughs> well, we think everyone is, actually, but, but, um, you know, even as a younger fan, you know, seeing, uh, he's always been in part on the sideline with Wenger, and I'll always remember. On the last day of the season, a couple of years oh, ago, yeah. and just, we just held, he held him like he couldn't bear it anymore. And it yeah. was, they had such a good, um, a good rela- working relationship, from what it seemed. And uh, he, you know, Wenger trusted uh, Pat Rice with, with uh, more than anyone else, I think. So, I'm going to give you guys a start of just calculating because you know I'm all about the finance and all that sort of rubbish. Pat yeah. Rice has been involved with Arsenal for 33 percent of the entire club's history. <laughs> Crazy. Can you imagine that? You know, as a player and as, as you know, a staff member, 33% of Arsenal's history has included a Pat Rice on it. If you needed any stat to just kind of let you know how much of a uh, part of the furniture he is, you know, that's it. I, I don't, I, you know, let's put a challenge out there. You're talking about fabric. You're talking about the fabric, not furniture. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolute fabric. And, you know, um, I don't, I, I, I haven't. Checked, but I don't think anyone else can beat that at our club or yeah, in, yeah. A, at any bloody club. Yeah, no, that's yeah. forty-two. Well, years. maybe maybe an MK Don's player or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, he's um he's an absolute legend, and we all we all hope he pulls through it. And a lot of the players have said uh, he's an absolute fighter. So let's uh, hope that uh, he he manages to fight cancer. And I just want to share one one rumor that is a complete joke. I don't believe it for a second, but you know, one jokey sort of rumor that uh, people had. When Wenger came into the club um, and he didn't choose his own assistant manager, rumour has it that he didn't because he thought that it wasn't Pat Rice, he thought it was Patrice. <laughs> so uh, he like thought, oh yeah, I'll keep the French guy, he's got a bit of a weird accent, but he's French, so I'll keep him. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I'm, I'm sure there's absolutely no truth in that. Wenger's <laughs> not exactly famous for being... Lackadaisical yeah. and not well thought I, out, is he? But I think it's um, one of them ones that is too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> part, of the French, part of the French contingent, Patrice. Cool. Okay, cool. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. Um, so, good night from me, and it's a good night from Mo. I hate Tottenham. And it's a good night from Cal. Good night. Great stuff. See you next week. You have been listening to the Guna Ramble. The Gunners World Podcast.